This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 86 of the DTV Digest. This is going to be our mid-year review. I'm Mike Parkin, your host, and joining me this week is Richard Hawes. Hello everybody. And a blast from the past, it's Dave Wayne. Hello. Yay, back with us once more. He thought he got away and we pulled him back in. So as I mentioned, this is going to be our media review to see where we are in the world of DTV. Um, take stock of the good and the bad and the prolific. And kind of to see how good a job we're doing of covering it all as well. Um, so let's uh, crack on and over to Rich. Right, so between January and June this year, we've so far had 164 DTV releases on physical media that we've been able to establish. Uh, I've, I've gone up and down on that figure a little bit, but the because uh, I've been sort of finding ones here and there. Uh, there was one that was originally on the list uh, called Human Me, but uh, that did not come out. So, so that was a that was a one on one films release. I think it's one of a few that uh, ended up getting shelved. Or so you probably. Um, there was Escape from Cannibal Farm was one. Was that one of theirs, Dave, that was going to be coming out and didn't? Um, yeah, that was one of 88. Oh, that's an 88 one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. gone back and forth. The, the director was really keen to have it out, but um, the supermarkets um, aren't taking it right now. So oh, unless okay. they point in releasing it. Okay. So, right. That's the title? Because I, I noticed um, Cannibals and Carpet Fitters has had a similar sort of hard time actually getting onto shelves you can order it on you know um, amazon and things but um i don't know if it's the the cannibals bits people are sort of shying away from at the moment it could be i mean it's all down to trends isn't it i mean i'm yeah. sure we'll, we'll touch upon this later yes uh, but the trend now is not for cannibals nor is it for zombies it's very much in the region of paranormal hauntings um dolls. possession uh dolls <laughs> and, and well yeah <laughs> No, it's, it, it's very predictable, to be honest, but but uh, that's what sells, and in this sort of fragile market, that's what they uh, that's what they have to do, you know. Sure. So, so we've got 164 releases that we've included in this. Uh, what we have, what we haven't included, is anything that's a supermarket exclusive. So, for example, Solace, uh, Dave, you pointed out that you'd seen that in Asda recently. Uh, that hasn't been included in this list, um, just because it's it's a really hard thing to sort of keep an eye on. For, for most of us and the um so what we've gone is things that are listed on amazon essentially and uh but we also have included day and date releases those that were available on vod in tandem with a limited cinema release uh, prior or at the same time as their disc release so that's including things like uh, films from curzon which are you know pretty high profile real high-end kind of stuff as well as uh, your uh, signature entertainment releases like those with um uh, like uh, Siberia with Keanu Reeves. Mm. So the most of we found most of the releases to date this year have been on DVD generally. A few have been limited exclusively to Blu-ray, but that's like a real handful, uh, and we'll get uh, Dave's uh, view on those in a little while. Uh, and you've had a couple of dual format releases, so Crucible of the Vampire being an example, where they've, uh, and uh, I think Top Knot Detective as well. Hmm. where they're basically just selling the whole package for, for people. Uh, Dave, what's your view on the 
dual versus Blu-ray only versus, you know, independent releases kind of strategy that they're taking on some of these titles. Yeah, so I, I don't understand this this obsession lately this year with, with single Blu-rays by themselves for contemporary releases because it works on archive releases. It works on, on films that came out 20, 30, 40 years ago. That works brilliantly, and it's tried and tested. Whether they've attempted to do this to see if uh, this method works also for um, for contemporary releases, I don't know, and I can't see it working personally. Um, it's frustrating for me because it means the vast majority of my customers won't be able to rent um, these brand new films um, because there's still a huge amount of people uh, not converted to Blu-ray and won't convert to Blu-ray uh, because, you know, that ship has sailed now. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a bit frustrating because, you know, I was late to the party with Dave Midamaze um and i've got a lot of people asking for it and a lot of people um you know with dvd only it, it, it's sad to sort of say how great it is but but then again you know say well sorry about that but you can't see it you can't buy it on physical media you can't rent it from my store and if you want to watch it you're gonna to have to stream it for probably like four pound fifty mm. um so yeah that, that's difficult to take um is, is there any sense in this? I don't know. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll see. I should have got the sales figures for those two titles, two Arrow films beforehand to see if uh, there was any kind of, um, you know, any kind of parallel mm-hmm. with, with what they sell on, um, you know, archive releases like well, Hollow Man, for example, for 88. Um, but I don't know. It's just frustrating. I think if it was a successful method, if it was a successful way of doing something, I think that well, one, everybody would be releasing their their cult titles on Blu-ray, and they're not. And secondly, you'd have more than three out in the first six months of this year. So I don't know. So we got some fairly consistent numbers so far this year. We're averaging about twenty-seven a month. You know, you got like between it's probably like six and ten a week. Uh, of you know a vast array of titles so in january we had 27 february 28 march was a bit there were less for some reason in march only 19 things shot up in april 34 31 in may coming back down again in june uh, so you know a little bit of a roller coaster but reasonably consistent considering you know the the i'm, I'm guessing the distributors don't talk to to each other to sort of work out what they're going to put out but uh, uh, those numbers seem pretty good what do you think dave yeah, um, I mean, I don't like to reminisce. Uh, I always hate to look back. I prefer to look forward. Um, but you can't help but do it in this business whereby, you know, even as little as five, six, seven years ago, you were getting double that yeah. uh, with regard to DTV releases. So it, it's gradually slowing down. Um, I mean, it, I dread to think what's going to happen next February. Um We've got a situation where the majority of distributors and labels in the UK um, all press their discs at Sony, uh, Sony DADC in Enfield, yep. which is the largest um, processing plant in the country. Uh, they're closing, um, which, as you can imagine, is uh, is a rather concerning thing, which means that every single major DVD label in the country uh, has to move. 
uh, that's not an inexpensive process. It's it's mm -hmm. it's fairly laborious, and some people just won't have the money to get all their stock out of there, find a new um, place, and there's there's not there's not exactly a a a, a barrage of different places to get your discs uh, produced. I mean, well, well, pretty much Technicolor is the only other place in this country. Um, so it's a concerning time. Uh, I mean, someone gave me the figure this week that there are 50 labels uh, in Sony, uh, all faced with a move. I mean, we're talking right. Aero 101, Eureka, all yeah. the big boys. Um, I mean, luckily for me, 88 got out um, a couple of months ago, um, which was fantastic news because they don't have to go through the stress of having to find somewhere. Um, so they're in a very, very fortunate position. They kind of predicted this scenario, despite having a long, a very long relationship with Sony. So it's, it's going to be a very interesting end to the year. I mean, sorry to really waffle on, Jesus. Um, but I, I, um, I got a letter, I got a, um, a pamphlet through the post. I, I buy every now and then from, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Odeon. They've changed their name now to Screenbound. Mm -hmm. And they have their own retail website called Classic Films Direct. I don't know if anyone's used it. Um, it's pretty good. You can get the, the whole Odeon back catalogue there. You know, if you're after their um, their slap and tickle films, as they call them, uh, which is a bizarre way to brand a film in 2019, <laughs> but they do actually have them branded slap and tickle section. Um, anyway, they sent me out to the catalogue, the latest catalogue of, of, of films that they have, and it just it's emblazoned right across the front as warehouse clearance. Everything must go. They got DVDs down to a pound mm -hmm. because they know they have to shift everything out of that factory, and the more they can sell. In the next six months, they know it'll be easier and slightly uh, less costly when it comes to shifting. Well, we've seen a um, uh, sort of beginning of that trend. We kind of sort of saw it coming with uh, basically we've got a number of distributors who put stuff out this year. The leader, the leaders being uh, High Flyers and Signature, but there's been a, a whole bunch of others, including. Uh, Universal, who also put out the stuff with four digital media, who are quite prolific. Uh, and then you've got uh, Take 5 Digital and Dazzler, who are kind of, who are kind of more new, newer kids on the block. And uh, we've got uh, other people like uh, Zon and Arrow and 101 and everything. Uh, but no sign of Sony. Uh, and Sony dropped the DVD release of The Debt Collector last year, and then they dropped the DVD release of The Marine 6 at the beginning of this year. Uh, choosing to go VOD only on on those generally, or selling them, or being sold to Netflix or whatever it was. But in in general, they have not released a single a DTV movie in in these six months, which is quite surprising considering how many DTV movies they used to put out. And I mentioned this to you before, Dave. You know, we're we're talking back, you know, ten years ago when they were putting out all the Wesley Snipes, Cooper Gooding Jr., Steven Seagal, John Claude Van Damme titles. You know, the um, yeah, I mean, it's it seems like. Of it. It seemed like a real cash cow for them. Um, I, I was speaking to um, Claudio Farr um, mm -hmm. at the start of the year for the Holloman booklet, who of course yeah. directed Holloman 2. And you, as you know, Rich uh, and Mike too, um, he directed a real cool array of um, director video movies right back to um, Coronado, uh, which I know is a film that you that you like, Rich. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, we talked about Holloman 2, and I think the budget was around about $6 million, wasn't it? That was back in 2006. Um, and even when he directed the new Sniper film, which was, was that last year, was it? 
and yeah. um, Sniper Ultimate Kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still he was working on a budget of two point five million, um, which which wasn't too shabby. But I mean, he achieved miracles with it. In all honesty, um, but yeah, I mean, he, he didn't let on that 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 was being shut down because he he was pretty much um, um, Sony's go to guy for for directing the um, DTV films. I mean, he had a great relationship with. Uh, a few other producers in there, um, so it, it's it's a real shame. Uh, I, I think they're being presumptuous. To be honest, I think I think they're. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Take some other Robert films that Andrew Jones um, puts out. Yeah. I mean, if you take if you add up the American and the UK sales for those, they're pulling in six figures uh, occasionally, um, which is which is great numbers. Um, so it seems a shame to. Um, you know, prim- um, prematurely uh, knock those on the head because I still think they can they can really rake in some decent money. Mike, do you want to contribute any <laughs> I'm, I'm views? The silent partner. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, this is this is our bread and butter, isn't it? You know, these these sort of films, and and I'd, I'd hate to think that this whole genre is being killed off because of you know a lack of a a, a tangible format to put them on. You know, well, um, they're all being put to, to VOD. Do you think that's the life? You know, they're going to be instead of being made for a, a disc distribution. With that in mind, they'll just be made for a streaming uh, or you know video on demand kind of availability. Well, that's going to really sort of like kick in the teeth. You know, the whole sort of regional film markets that go on like in Italy and things. You know, um, because if you if you're only dealing with people like Amazon Prime and, and Netflix, yeah. I mean. You know, the number of customers you potentially have is pretty limited. Okay, so uh, now that because we've mentioned it at that point, I will say that uh, 42 of the releases so far this year uh, are now or have been or were available on uh, subscription video on demand services as of this month. Uh, most of them uh, are on uh, Amazon Prime. So we've got. Really? Yeah. So you got third, what was it? The let me just check figure. So one in four, basically over one in four, after or very soon around the time of its DVD or Blu-ray release, mm-hmm. generally Blu-ray, uh, gets to SVOD. So the that's thirty-one that are on Prime and eleven are on Netflix. Uh, the most recent being uh, the Accountant of Auschwitz, which was just added mm. uh, this week, just into into July, as we are in the first week of July recording this. The so. That's a, that to me that puts off actually renting a film at a full price. If you think, well, actually, I can wait a few weeks mm. and I'll be getting it as part of my service anyway. So the that's going to my I mean, I don't not not everyone thinks like that. Mm. And the, uh, the the sales of something like uh, Annihilation, I think, sort of back, back that up. That you know people are still interested in physical media as well as you know a film being streamed, but. You know, for for very niche kind of movies that we're sort of mainly thinking about here, that's not a very good. Uh, that it's kind of like they they get their um, their lease of life on disc, and it's like okay, you've got to make your money in these next couple of weeks, and then that's it. It's like almost like limited release. Like they probably won't print anymore. They'll just they'll just put out a whole bunch. That's it. Then it's on streaming. Uh, is that a fair sort of view? Do you guys think? I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just really frustrating. It, it's it's 
plainly obvious that no one has a clue uh, really what they're doing. It, it seems such a scattershot approach to business. Mm. And, uh, you know, it, it's just, it, it's, a, it's a group of different companies trying different methods uh, with very little communication between each other. And, well, why, why should they com- uh, communicate with each other when they're essentially competitors? Yeah. <laughs> but it just seems, um, it just seems like that there's no real company out there that you can pinpoint and say these people have got it right. Um, I mean, I still think we need to find um, that was defined, not too fine, defined um, parameters, really defined. Um, you, know, you need you need a, a certain release date here. You need a, a certain time to VOD, a certain time to DVD, um, or, or, or certainly. Well, I, I know it's it's a. It's certainly a controversial opinion with regard to the studios, but a universal release date worldwide and um, all formats. Um, and I think that may be something that we're probably moving towards. It would certainly help sort of like curb a lot of the piracy, I think. If you, if you have a, a un, as you say, a universal release date, um, mm. you know, it gets around this whole thing of like, Certain films being released in, I don't know, Russia or Saudi Arabia or somewhere, you know, months before it will see, see light of day anywhere else, um, albeit with subtitles slapped on it, you know, but most people aren't too discerning. Um, but yeah, I, I think it would really help. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, we're, we're fairly clued up on this, we like to think. Hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I get up each morning and I've got to go to, to the brilliant website. I don't know if you've re- recommended it on the show before, uh, just watch.com, um, which yeah. updates daily with, um, with all the new additions to the variety of streaming sites. And, you know, I, I go to this site every single day and, you know, take a few notes, and make a, put a few things down as, uh, as to what's appearing on what streaming site. Yeah. But when you think of the average, uh, guy or girl on the street, I mean, why, why would they bother? And it's, mm. it's just frustrating that so many films are being um, um, passed over and, and won't be getting the attention they deserve because um, there's no real method to this utter, utter madness. Yeah. There's also, the, you know, the, the algorithms that these streaming sites use. Mm. You know, um, they, look, they look at your viewing history. Yeah. Um, you know, I could watch like 10 foreign movies and, mm-hmm. then, and then one stand-up comedy routine, and then all I'll get from yeah. Netflix is, oh, you might be interested in this stand-up comedy routine. Yeah, but yeah, what, yeah. what about all these other bloody films I've been watching? You know, you might be interested in these. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it's annoying. Or or something that you've been like a TV series I've been watching, and then it'll just bury it in my feed. As a, you know, as it, it won't sort of go, oh yeah, you were watching this, weren't you? Yeah, okay, yeah. No, but we'll try and sort of shill me something else to watch instead. No, yeah, it's just, I mean, I don't want to sound like some kind of caveman who, who can't accept that anything moves forward, because I can. I'm happy to embrace anything, despite, you know, owning a shop with 12,000 DVDs <laughs> that are gathering dust as we speak. Um, I, I just wish they could, um, you know, find a formula to, to give the whole thing a, a little bit of um, logic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Amazon itself, Amazon Prime itself is the most insane uh, thing to browse when you're looking for something to stream, it, it's so user unfriendly. Yeah. Uh, especially if you if you're you're watching it on the, on the TV, it's just uh, it, it's 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 crazy. But then you switch to something like JustWatch.com, mm-hmm. and you can organize things by by the year it was released, by the genre, by 
um, all pr kinds of like different um, parameters. But Amazon seems really, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But I mean, there's a great, there's a great um, piece in the Guardian uh, last weekend. I don't know if you read it about this uh, scenario that streaming is becoming. Um, you know, with, with you know, essentially when this whole thing started, it was just Netflix and maybe one or two other things, but it's gradually growing. And certainly with the launch of Disney Plus, I mean, people are, are just are just going to have to subscribe to a insane uh, number of screaming, screaming, yeah. streaming sites if if they want to, um, you know, get a a fairly broad range of movies. And you know, I can't afford that, and you know, I don't think many people can. Why? Would you? Why would you give these multinational, non-taxpaying corporations your money um, to, to rip you off, uh, give you poorly um, orchestrated menus, and, and and just have no real pattern to, to how they put film on their on the on the site? It's yeah. it's crazy. As I say, I yeah. don't want to sound like a, a knuckle-driving dragon caveman who lives in another decade, but I just have so many concerns, so many concerns, and. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't see the way for it. I don't see anyone trend setting to try and, um, you know, um, make a logical step of, of, of pattern. Or, yeah, waffle. Go on. Yeah. Well, so while sticking on that, what about the subject of price? Because you know, one way to sort of get more people buying physical media would be to reduce the price point on quite a lot of them. And, and we find, you know, there is that strategy taken quite a lot. New, some of these new releases come out at like six ninety nine or seven ninety nine. Um, that's still a lot more than anyone would pay uh, on a, I mean, apart from a, like a VOD rental, obviously. Um, but like uh, as part of a subscription, you know, the perception of what a, va what a film's value is, uh, especially if they, they're not intending to watch it more than once. I mean, I think the, the number of people who will just pay... 10 pounds or more for uh, you know to pick up a film is probably dwindling i would have thought even that even with prices like say what we were saying about around seven pounds what, what do you think well i think um you know at, at the moment seven pounds is obviously a good number if, if they're pulling in sales which they seem to be on seven pound titles and when you look at this week's releases uh we, you know we're talking non DTV here with regard to Serenity, uh, that was £7. Uh, the John Travolta film, Eye for an Eye, that was £7. And um, the Keanu Reeves film, Destination Wedding, that was £7. I mean, these are three big films with big people in, um, being given away, really. Uh, and I think people are quite happy to spend that. I mean, you know, it's not me, but if you're going around as do with your kids screaming and all you've got to watch on TV at night is Love Island. And probably £7 is, is less than a cinema ticket. Mm. Um, you know, half the price if, if you're if you're um, living in London. Uh, it's probably not a great spending seven quid, uh, but I'm tight. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a fair price, seven quid. Obviously, you've got the premium releases at 10 quid. Um, mm. But a lot of things now are slipping out of a fiver. You know, um, um, I know... Uh, the new Robert films are five in one of the supermarkets. And a few of the high flyers films tend to start at that price, uh, asylum as well. Uh, mm -hmm. but with the asylum ones, you have to pay ten, uh, five pounds. They don't, they don't, they don't pay you five pounds to, <laughs> to take it, which they probably should. Um, I mean, how much are film companies selling to, to, to the supermarkets for probably three pound 50, mm -hmm. um, supermarkets, um, bring it in seven pound. 
So it just depends how much the film companies want to take home, I guess. Mm. Um, and it depends how much they're paying for the license for the film. So um, I don't know. I don't know. But but price is certainly interesting because, uh, I don't know, to me, I would rather pay £7 and, and have something, even though I may not watch it again, than pay £4.50 to have something for 48 hours and then for it to just disappear. So uh, with the, um, to stay on this, I'm just curious to know, how much were those Blu-rays that you that you bought? The uh, Dave well, Maze, uh, Megaton? Yeah, they're, they're, on, they're on the bog off. I mean, with, with HMV being um, up, up the creek for the last six months, uh, Amazon have taken advantage of, of that by uh, doing outrageous prices for, for Blu-rays, you know, 19, 20, 21 pounds. Um, but thanks to HMV being back in some kind of control, um, they've had a, they've had a great partnership with Arrow uh, to celebrate their tenth birthday this last two weeks. So they've had buy one get one free, which is amazing. And I've spent an absolute fortune uh, catching up on a films that I've, I've missed this year. So they were seven pound fifty each. They were two for fifteen pound. That's good. Fourteen fourteen ninety nine buy one get one free. So for seven pound fifty, I'm I'm very happy to do that. And uh, I think I picked up Wolf Cup for, I think, seven quid secondhand, which is fine. Um, but, yeah, that's – I don't want to sound cheap, but I would pay for a premium product. I, I'd go out tomorrow and buy Hollow Man for, for 22 quid because that's like – yeah, you, you get you get in some, some bang for your book. But if it's a film I, I know little about, which is based purely on um, word of mouth, then, yeah, seven or eight pounds I think would be my limit. So I'm going to stay on this for just a second. So I just, I'm curious, what sort of treatment do these films get on these Blu-ray releases? Are they packed full of extras? Yeah, yeah, I was pretty impressed. Um, oh, sorry, Rich, but tell me what the other Arrow film is. It's, it's driving me insane. Mega Time Squad. Mega um, <laughs> yeah, they're pretty well packed. They're both, all three, um, Wolf Cop and the two Arrows have got commentaries. They've got making ours. They've got, I think, Dave made a made sort of music video. They've all, well, the, the two Arrow films have booklets as well um so yeah you are getting funny for money you know compared to the bare bones nature of most dtv releases mm -hmm. so uh it's decent i mean i can understand them charging 14.99 you know most of the year i guess you know yeah it's good then that no, the, the, um you know the blu-ray format is still sort of pandering towards the actual film fan rather than the sort of casual viewer which seems to be sort of the way DTV, sorry, DVD has gone now. Yeah, I mean, D D DVDs are not as loaded with extras as they used to, are they? I mean, not back in the day, there were, you would get tons of oh, yeah. additional material. That's funny. I mean, you know, every night I go and I go into the front room and pick a film for for, for Schlockenor and do a bit of research on it, and it's amazing how many films you pick up from the nineties or well, that first generation of DVD that are absolutely packed with, with, with extras. I mean, you've got films that were, that were made for pennies, uh, like Fred Olin Ray or Jim Wynorski, and they've got a commentary by them on them. And, and you know, even if they think of the Charlie Band films, there's always a video zone and, and something on the, like that. Uh, so we were very spoiled when DVD first came out, very spoiled indeed. Yeah. But, but as usual, because we're human, we get very complacent. Um, and we don't really care about stuff as much as we used to when it when it loses its shine. So, uh, yeah, a bit of a shame, really. 
So I'm going to move on. I'm, uh, sorry, Mike, you wanted to... I was just going to say, I mean, yeah, DVD's been around for, what, 25 years now? 24 years? Yeah, Armageddon was the first one I bought. Ellie Confidential. Ellie Confidential. Yeah, you're looking just over two decades, aren't you? 20, 21, 22, 23, something like that, yeah. Mm. Crazy, really. I feel old. <laughs> Right, so we're going to move into the DTV chart view now. Uh, so just over half of the DTV releases this year, uh, 51% specifically, made it into the official video chart top 100 for at least one week. Uh, um, the numbers are, hang on, let me just have a quick look at the chart here somewhere, the review. Uh, so, so yeah, so we have 49% that didn't make the chart at all. Uh, 16% uh, were in for one week, 14% were in for two weeks, 10% were in for three weeks, 4% uh, were in for four weeks, and 7% were five or more. So that's that's pretty good. I mean, it's kind of the um, kind of one in and out kind of one week kind of thing is mostly what I would expect generally. But we've had some uh, good top performers uh, this uh, year. So three of the biggest hits uh, with dispurchases disc purchases uh, were Siberia, Papillon, and Twelfth Man. Uh, the, the, uh, each, of the, uh, each of these which were put out by uh, Signature Entertainment, uh, and they, had, they all had a little bit of a cinema exposure as well, uh, under 25 locations in each case, according to the Film Distributors Association. Uh, the, so that really helps, I think, when, when the, I mean, if we were talking strictly DTV, as in they didn't get any cinema exposure at all, the numbers look quite different, and I'll get onto that in a second. But the this kind of thing really helps, as, as well as uh, like Annihilation, which had its really high-profile Netflix release. So that did really well uh, this year as well. Um, before I move on, just uh, some views. Have you guys got any particular views on those films? Siberia, Papillon, Twelfth Man. It's, it's interesting because I saw, I saw, we, well, we saw Siberia when when it eventually turned up on on Netflix. So, yes. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, that it has gone through that sort of um, sequence, hasn't it? You know, a little bit of a, a cinema exposure, then on DVD, um, and then you know onto onto Netflix. Um, I, I imagine Papillon is going to do something similar. Is that that's the Charlie Hunnam one, isn't it? Yeah, and Rami Malek. That's right. Yeah. See, so well, that was that, that had its VOD uh, cinema that, that came out sort of tail end of last year, and then it's uh, it came out on DVD sort of beginning part of this year. So I judged it based on when they were on DVD. I'm surprised they haven't pushed that one more, considering Rami Malek's in it. Well, I think it, it did bother. I mean, it did quite well uh, in the charts. I think off the back of mm. uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, I think that's why it kept bobbing up and down in the chart and it was around for 10 weeks uh, compared to Annihilation which was 9 weeks uh, and Twelfth Man was also 9 weeks. Siberia was 16 weeks um, but the biggest uh, biggest success of, of the year was a pure DTV movie uh, it's The Haunting of Borley Rectory uh, directed by Dave's, uh, one of Dave's favourite filmmakers I believe, uh, Stephen M. Smith and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, that just did phenomenally well with a completely uh, generic cover, generic title, uh, and yeah, 18, 18 weeks. Uh, it's it's uh, it's literally only as we come into July, just left just left the chart um, after its original release. So 
we talked about that a bit when we reviewed it a couple of episodes back. Uh, Dave, did you see that one? Um, did you brave it? I, I, I know well, you were a bit stung by uh, Stephen M. Smith's uh, previous films. Oh, good lord! Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I've got, I've got honestly, I'm, I'm the kindest person for, for reviewing these kind of films. And I know, I know you, you've got, got some. A little bit of heat off proportion productions um, a few weeks back, and it's very difficult. You know, sometimes you've really got to be kind with any kind of criticism, um, which I know you were. You, you know, you, you weren't brutal in any way, but um, this this guy, I, I, oh, holy cow! I mean, I don't know how he does it. To be honest, um, I didn't like this film at all. But uh, ironically, he has had the last uh, laugh, um, uh, and I can't tell you the story. Um, so I'll have to tell you off there. <laughs> but uh, despite me hating him, hating his films and slagging him off and writing a horrifically bad review of one of his films that I can't even remember, um, yeah, this this guy has had the last laugh on me, which is uh, revenge. So well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, and well done to, to High Flyers films. I mean, they, that's, that seems to be yeah. a, a terrifically successful acquisition for them, as you know, they're already one of the most successful distributors working in this market, uh, and but that's you know. It also reinforces the, the 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 template, doesn't it? It reinforces the program. Um, you know, it 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 it, it, it um, solidifies the the recipe for what you need in order to achieve a a DTV success. And, and I bet you, if you look through the next six months, um, you, you could probably. Uh, you know, week by week, predict the success of each individual film. I, I, I would imagine that if you took each week by itself, Rich, you know, um, going forward, I reckon you could probably guess four of the top five each week, you know, with regard to trends and regard to, um, you know, what's, what's hot at the moment. Yeah. Mike, any particular views on, on that? I think I think Dave's right. Um, well, we've 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 talked about it a lot over the the past few months. Um, you know, anything to do with Second World War is going to do well. Anything to do with the Western is going to do well. Yeah. You know, and at the moment, anything you know vaguely haunted doll related is is going to do well. Well, yeah, that sort of leads me into the uh, the talking about what does the chart look like if we exclude the ones that had any cinema exposure. Hmm. Uh, and again, obviously, we've got Haunting of Wally Rectory, obviously, sits at the top. But next to that is The Guard of Auschwitz, which uh, is another uh, British film, Terry Lee Coker, I believe. Uh, that was eight weeks tied with Replicas. I mean, Replicas is a Keanu Reeves movie, you know, very sort of polished sci-fi, you know, attention-grabbing cover. Clearly was going to do well. Um, the, but The Guard of Auschwitz, very different proposition. Both have done, have done equally well. And uh, and just sort of because we're talking about July now, uh, sorry, we're talking in July, the, he hit the follow-up, his follow-up film to that, The Angel of Auschwitz, has also come in at a really high position. So he has um, The Guard of Auschwitz and The Angel of Auschwitz both in the top 100. Uh, so it's clearly, I, th I think that might be sort of down to um, the literary interest in stories that are set in Auschwitz at the moment, like The, um, the Tattooist of Auschwitz, which came out last year. Um, the Librarian of Auschwitz is another book, so there's I quite a lot. You're right. I, I think you're that's right. it. I think that I, I, that's the only reason, the way I can explain it. I mean, I know people are interested in 
in wartime and you know war, World War Two kind of stories. Yeah. So, well, but, only, I mean, you only have to look at the number of such that are coming out. I mean, we've got um, what's it, D Day? Um, what's it called? Something dogs? Not dogs? Dog, dog. Yeah, D Day Donuts. Um, Nick Cage's son is in it, isn't he? D Day. Uh, Dog Company. Yeah. Dog Company. Yeah. And then, you know, um, there's, there's the other one, but Holding the Line or something, the one about the Rangers. Alone we stand. Alone we fight. Alone we fight. Uh, so, get, but looking back at this Jan to June uh, mm-hmm. chart, so we've also got other wartime mm-hmm. uh, titles in there. So, uh, just, I could just briefly mention also tied at eight weeks was Dragon Kingdom, which is an interesting case of a film that was released under two different titles at the same time on VOD. So uh, this is the follow up to Knights of the Dam. So it was Dragon Kingdom. It was something else. And Mike, can you remember what that other title was? I really can't. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. So, um, yeah, this is a, another film example of a film that's turned up on like via uh, streaming services and whatever afterwards. I think it actually... Um, uh, is uh, I think it's available now. So I think so. Or I might be thinking of a different one. So I apologize. Anyway, so getting back to the wartime stuff. So we've got Stormbirds, which yep. was uh, four weeks in the chart, and The Accountant of Auschwitz, which, which is a documentary, although you wouldn't necessarily know it from the from the cover, the UK cover. Yep. Uh, but it was a kid was in there that did well. It's a Western. And uh, also doing well was uh, Batman versus... Uh, Mutant Ninja Turtles, Gotti, and the Tomb Heart of the Dragon, uh, the Tomb Raider, belated uh, release of the Tomb Raider knockoff. Mm-hmm. So, all the all these are these are a good example of sort of the, the most successful ones that have come along, and they all sort of tie into those genres and that that we recognise. So, if, a, if we see a DC animated movie coming out, we know the fans are going to go buy it. We know that's good. We know that's going to chart. If we see something with us with a star in it, like John Travolta. Unless it's burning rubber or whatever, you know, <laughs> chances are people are going to be interested in it, um, as they were with Eye for an Eye, which is, uh, which, you know, as a, as an aside, that's gone into the number one spot uh, on its week of release in the TV chart. Um, well, I've been quite relieved with that because, you know, as you know, I did get stung rather badly with John Travolta's last two films, uh, yeah. Burning Rubber and uh, the one on Speed Kills. Speed, Speed Kills. kills. <laughs> Good lord. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I bought four copies of iPhone now, and I thought, oh, jeez, I'm going to get absolutely screwed with this. But no, it, it's rented like mad this week. So thankfully, it doesn't look like John Travolta is the death curse that he uh, he may have been. So I'm pleasantly relieved by relief by this. So so yeah, we're, we're well, good. Morgan Freeman might have saved that one. <laughs> he may have done. Yeah, I hope so because I, I hope nobody would rent a film for John Travolta. So hopefully, they're renting it for for Morgan Freeman. Yeah, that, that, that sounds like a good plan. And Famke Johnson. Oh yeah, and and Brendan. Anyway, we're we're, we're getting off track of, a bit here. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So that's sort of the any sort of other final views on you know the chart positions and you know how things have worked out this this year so far. You know, half half of the releases charting. That's pretty good, I think. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, considering what you know what we're talking about is the sort of top one hundred DVDs that are released each week, um, and you know ninety percent of them. Are films which are released at the cinema, or or the TV box sets, or the cinema yeah. film box sets, or the, you know Marvel stuff. So yeah. you know, even to get a look in, is 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 pretty decent. Yeah, especially when you have such you know 
well-performing titles. Like, I mean, I, I know we've been surprised by two or three as, as the week, as the years gone by. I can't remember off the top of my head which ones they were apart from Hawley, of course. But, um, you know, Triple Threat did really well. Yeah. Um, uh, that only lasted a couple of weeks, but the, um, but you know, it's, it's talking to a specific niche market. And a lot of these films are, is the, the chances of sticking around for more than two weeks are really quite limited. Uh, unless I say you, you sort of really get, uh, you, t- you, you just sort of crack it with a, with a particular theme or something that captures the zeitgeist or, you know, there's a particular celebrity or, you know, like Keanu Reeves, there's kind of, I think there's anticipation for like John Wick three, you know, people, mm-hmm. people are thinking about Keanu Reeves and they're picking out the film looks, film's got a nice cover, you know, the artwork plays a, uh, can play a big role and the, when it's, but it's nice to see some of the smaller films, you know, the ones that haven't got the money to have amazing artwork to do, to do really well. So let's have a look, uh, in, let's move from the DTV chart to the trenches. Let's see what it, the, the view looks like from one of the UK's premier, uh, rental establishments, Snips Movies. Ooh. So now, Dave, you've kindly uh, had a look at uh, the uh, the list of all the films that came out uh, so far this year, and uh, what's what's done, what's uh, what you've purchased to rent in yeah. the store, uh, and either purchase. So you 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 said you 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 often purchase titles, and you might keep them for a little while, and then move them on to make way for other stock, and then there's others you hold on to uh, that that you know that you either perceive that they'll have more value long term or that they're just consistently renting would that be right yeah pretty much um yeah. it's 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 depends on each each film really mm-hmm. um you, you know back in the day um you would be spending 45 pound plus that on yeah. every single film that you got in yeah. and you would have to get in the very premium releases and little else you'd be priced out of the market in some respects mm-hmm. but now we have a slightly different in that we can buy every single film that comes out um and yeah it's it it gives us a unique opportunity but it also means we can be very brutal with what we keep um i like to get as much as possible on day one um you know nine ten releases every week if possible to give people a, a broad variety of choice but in that first week certainly in the first two weeks you will get we'll get some kind of information you'll be able to gauge to some degree what people think of it. Yeah. And you can't, you just can't keep a film that people don't like or that people are really uh, antsy with when they return it and they say, oh, God, I can't believe it blew £2.50 on that. Um, so, you know, people's reactions often depends the fate of the film. Um, uh, yeah, so, so, so but, but you'd be surprised by some films that do really well um so you've but, stopped so you've stopped 99 on release so 60 yeah. percent of the dtv movies you've stopped on release uh, and at the moment you've currently got uh 44 of the releases uh including right. a couple of recent obviously those recent blu-ray editions uh, so you've got 72 in at the moment that's that's pretty good uh, level can i just ask why um why is it why is it uh, only sixty percent? Is that limited by budget or availability that you haven't been able to get you know closer to one hundred percent of what's come out? Are you, do you have um, to 
stick to a particular budget and you say you have to make an educated guess on what you're going to go for? Or are you, are you finding that a, lot, a number of these films just aren't available where you're picking them up from? Yeah, I mean... Or just aren't going to be as wider interest to your audience because obviously there's quite a lot of niche stuff that comes out. It's a blend. It's a blend. I mean, every week I have a figure that I've got to... I've got to stick to. Um, as we all have, we've all got our bills to pay. Mm-hmm. So every week I have a budget for films. Um, we, we do the key films. We do the main films. Let's have a look at the main two or three films. Right, and then what's left over. Yeah. The main two or three films are the money makers. They're the ones that bring us you know, good, good money. They're the ones that mean we can open the door tomorrow morning. Um, and the rest is just whatever change we have is spread out between the others. So it's effectively trying to squeeze as many films into a certain amount of money. Um, now, for example, it, it varies. I mean, uh, last week we had the Maggie Gyllenhaal film, which I can't remember the name of. Was it The Kindergarten Teacher? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, now, that didn't, have su- that, yeah, that didn't have supermarket exposure, but it got great reviews. Um, and it was nearly double the amount of money that I would normally spend on one film. Hmm. But, you know, it, 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 it tilted, the, tilted the, um, the seesaw a little bit because of its reviews and its, its star quality and its publicity. So that was a, yeah, we don't think about that. But with regard to some of the films, some of the animated films, for example, are maybe not that great. Um, I don't really have a market for the DC animation uh, and Marvel animation. Um, my world cinema market has shrunk a little bit, so I yeah. tend to be a bit more... I mean, it depends the type of film. If you have a film like Triple Threat, then yes, that's got great potential. But if you have a film like one of the ones that's Joe Tamara, forget the title of it, I know you're looking forward to it, Rich. Um, world cinema title, forget the name. But yeah, you have a more... Possibly. You have a more dramatic sort of tone to it. Then no, that's not going to pull people in. Um, so it varies, but you tend to go for the lowest common denominator. We're, we're, we're in entertainment, so people want, yeah. after working nine till five, five days a week, to get home on a Friday night or a Saturday night and just watch something they don't have to think about. So while there will always be a number of films that I'll get in, which will be more of a gamble, um, like The Kindergarten Teacher, for example, or like yeah. Holy Lands with James Kahn that came out the week before, um, or the Willem Dafoe um, Van Gogh films that came in at Eternity's Gate. Oh, they're yeah. the expensive films. They're the gambles. They're the ones that we might not break even on. But anything for, you know, by Signature, High Flyers, Dazzler, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it, it's more of a business decision than a uh, than a uh, artistic decision, shall we say? Mm-hmm. So, um, in terms of those smaller re- releases, the um, the LBGTQ sort of felt, uh, market is growing. Uh, we've got ma- uh, Matchbox, not so much lately. I think that's no, they've, they've only quiet. done like two releases this this yeah. period. TLA releasing and doing all right. Um, Saffron Hill or Peccadilla Pictures, whichever the one they sort of present themselves as. There's quite a few. Films like that uh, that are coming out, um, do they rent much? Do they rent very well, or are they much more of a riskier proposition? <laughs> uh, I've got a I've got a story about that, but I, I don't know if we should tell it. Um, <laughs> I live in a very very conservative area, right? Um, 
it's very middle class. Um, it's very it's a little bit uptight, to be honest. Um, and I think most of my customers aren't really. I don't think many. You would have seen many at Pride this weekend, for example. Um, yeah, they're 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 of an ilk. Um, I had one guy. He picked up um, a film called Beach Rats, which came out last year. Um, but it had a very sort of kind of cool cover. There was a kid on the cover. And he looked at the other head kid, and you know, so he rented it, thinking it was going to be some kind of oh, Beach Rats. Yeah, you could like be fighting and all that kind of thing. And so he rented it. and He took it home, and he came back the next day, and he made a real big point of saying. Look, I didn't realize what I was taking. <laughs> please do not consider me. Please, I, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not one of them. He said, holding his, holding his two fingers up. You know, you know, in in, in quotes, speech marks. I'm not. I'm not one of them. Don't want you getting the wrong impression. Like, yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about me. Um, but yeah, so it, it's a it's a funny area. I have a, I, had, I do have an LGBT section which has about 150 titles in it. Um, but a lot of the films that Matchbox and um, Peccadillo put out, they're good, but they're probably not going to get me my money back. And five years ago, I would have got them in in a, hand, in, in a, in a heartbeat. But, but today, I can't really um, take that gamble, unfortunately. That's well, just um, one, of the, I mean, one of the drawbacks. Some of these, some of these uh, films do have intentionally very provocative uh, covers. Uh, yeah. But there are, but some of them are, you know, are, are pitched more towards a mainstream audience. Uh, so even like uh, I think High Flyers put out just like Magic this this year. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, there's there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of these yeah. films ar- around, and I'm just interested. It seems a trend that's growing, and I'm just sort of trying to take a litmus test of, you know, how is that looking. You know, in yeah, your market, that's, and that's quite interesting what you're saying about what, how your uh, some of your customers are reacting. The tone, the tone has to be right. The tone has to be right. Um, I mean, some of them, you know, I I, I would get in a heartbeat, like Call Me By Your Name, which just did really good money. Uh, I had a really broad range of people renting it. Blue is Almost Colour, again, did really good money, had a broad range of people renting it. And even something like Boy Erased, which came out a couple of weeks ago. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, it, it is pretty much a an LGBT film, really. You know, Russell Crowe and Nicole Kidman or not. Um, and that's been really, really popular and people have loved it as it's a quite breathtakingly devastating true story. Um, what's, what's the other film? There's two. There's that one and another one, a very similar theme. Do you remember uh, what the other one's called? Has it been out? It's just, I, I thought so. I, I thought so. It's like, uh, both quite high-profile releases. Mm. I'm sorry, I'm getting off, I'm getting off track. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so that, that's just, a, I just wanted to look at that. And also um, kind of the decline of some of the label, if I can go back to sort of some of the labels that we don't, we haven't really seen much of this year. So Studio Canal seemed to be quite prolific at um, putting out um, DTV mm. movies. Last year we had like, a, was it Mike? What was the one we looked at? Was it called Darkland or Dark, Dark something? About the vigilante on his motorbike. Oh, um, God, no, you put me on the Do you remember what that was? It was like a Danish film. Yeah, it's a Danish um, one. Um, no, but they've also... They also Darkland, yeah. Darkland. They also put out one called uh, 36, I think it was, the sort of horror, mm-hmm. um, revenge kind of movie. But this, this year, they, they seem to have pretty much turned their back on 
DTV, a bit like Sony. Uh, uh, it's uh, quite interesting to see that. But others um, say Signature Entertainment really surging ahead. They've got yeah. rid of the whole Precision Pictures sub-brand and they're just putting everything out on Signature now. And they're putting out, like, uh, at times, like three a week, it seems. Yeah. You know, I said just... to you in one of the other episodes, didn't I? I said I watched about five films in a week and every single one of them just happened to be a Signature release. Mm. Yeah, but, and this is not. This is. The, I'm thinking of the the D, the physical media releases. They're also yeah. doing quite a lot of um, VOD only. So there was a film called I think At First Light, which was supposed to come out on disc, and then they ended up deciding not to release that. Uh, but it is. A, but it was still made available. Um, uh, and you know, we got people like Dazzler, who I, I I don't really know much about them, but they they seem to be becoming quite a, a major uh, releaser. Uh, lately, with quite a few. I mean, they've, they've done eight. I mean, it's, it's not huge numbers, but you know, they, the um, the Jean Claude Van Damme film, The Bouncer, that, uh, and uh, I can't remember, but a quite diverse selection they're putting out. Dave, Insider Knowledge, can you tell me, do you know anything about Dazzler? No. No. <laughs> um, I, I do know that, that they're quite keen on the old asylum films, mm. as are High Flyers, which. I do think so. I know we're regressing slightly, but I do think it it makes it the whole thing slightly predictable. Mm-hmm. In that you will have Dazzler putting out a, uh, an asylum movie, um, maybe someone else putting out a proportion production movie, and someone else putting out an Andrew Jones movie. So there does tend to be a little bit of um, sort of stale predictability in the market. Well, let's pause for a minute on on asylum films. They are. Uh, a predicted seller, you know, the, the distributors, mm. uh, a variety of distributors buy their product. And in, yeah. in some cases, we've seen two Asylum movies released in the same week. Last uh, week, it, wasn't it? Yeah. By, by, yeah, and I think it, I think we had two or three instances of that mm. this year. It was like, even if we, you know, we've gone, oh, there's an Asylum movie, oh, there's another Asylum movie this week. And then mm. and then sometimes like, oh, my God, two more. Uh, and uh they're kind of pushing pushing out some of the other products, but um, I am glad to see, uh, you know, although you know I have those reservations about some proportion productions films, I am very glad that they're getting made and released. You know, I think it's it's really good. Along with Andrew Jones, you know, I think the British. If we can sort of segue into sort of talking about how the British la- uh, release uh, film sort of landscapes looking in DTV, I think it's looking really good. Um, some of them are taking a while to get there. Um, you know, so for example. Uh, Proportion Productions is uh, Foxtrap took a long time to get released, mm. but the, the, but this year they've had like two or three coming out. And um, uh, Andrew Jones, you know, how, how many films has he put out so far this year? Four. Yeah, we had Alcatraz yeah. and Robert Reborn. Uh, the War the, film, D Day Assassins, was it? Yeah, D Day Assassins. Yeah. So uh, I. I I haven't had a chance to watch many of these, but it is on my agenda to, to get into it. To, but I think for, for a, a select few, I mean, uh, Once Upon a Time in London uh, is another example. The, uh, the British, British gangster movie maker kind of stuff mm. is all doing really well. Uh, how do you guys feel about the low budget British film landscape at the moment compared to, say, how it was looking last year or the year before? Um, I, th- I think there are some new players in there which um, are doing really good things. For example, um, the guys behind Night, Night Shooters. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Trinity. 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 Yeah. Um, and you know. Th- Sorry, Tribal. 
tribal yeah. films. Tribal, yeah. Um, and yeah, some of the, some of the, even some of the really low budget stuff is, is um, you know doing okay. But, you know, for as much as we sort of ragged on about um, things like Mandy and uh, Clown Doll and even Bawley Reptory. You know, there there are glimmers of hope in those. In fact, the the, the guy, the, the Bawley Rectory one, we were talking about the trailer for his next film, the the one with the dolls. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. It wasn't dolls. It was Doll Cemetery, one. I think. Doll Cemetery, and and saying how you know that that actually does look really intriguing. Um, so so I think that you know there are definitely glimmers of hope that it's. Even though there are still those sort of genre trappings, that they are sort of pushing. Pushing the genre a little bit. Yeah, I think it's just a case of originality, really. Mm. Um, I don't, I'm not a great fan of, you know, um, Stephen Smith does a doll film, Proportions the doll film, mm. Andrew Jones, who I'm biased towards, has always done dolphins. Um, I, I don't like that sort of predictability to it. I would like to have something a little bit more original. I understand the need to tie in, for example. I understand why Andrew has got the Manson family um, murders coming out um, yeah. in a couple of weeks' time. A, mass, a Manson family massacre, which which is fine. I understand why he had Bundy and the Green River Killer out, which is fine. I don't mind those tie-ins. They're cool. Um, but I think you but, said before, but, Dave, you know, when we've chatted about Andrew before, I'm pretty sure you told us that basically a lot of his films are dictated, you know, that the themes are, um, are dictated to him by his distributors. Uh, he, he goes in with about 20 pitches. Right. Um, and then they take a year's worth, which is probably uh, six movies, is it? I forget what his deal with Sony is. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's where they are. But, yeah, I mean, I, I quite like proportion pictures films. I saw the, what did they see, The Satanic Nun? I quite like that, to be honest. I thought I had a decent spin on what had the potential to be a very dull story, but it, it's quite decent. I like um, I like the girl they use. I think she's very talented, Becca Rani. I think she's a good actress. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I know you're a big also... fan of Darker Shades of the Leaves as well. I think you both like. I love that film. I love yeah. that film. I think it's brilliant. Um, so there are elements to to all of their films, be it Andrew, be it um, Proportion, um, that have really good things, exciting things in original films. I worry I, I worry um, about the people buying them. Uh, I mean we're we're pretty much hardcore. Uh, so we we will we will get into these films, absorb them and make a an opinion on them. But I I worry about the people who push their trolley around Asda and and unexpectedly look at the cover and say, oh it's it's that Bundy film that we've heard about and it's not. Um, so you worry about those people. Um, but you know, um, caveat emptor, I suppose. Buyer beware. Yeah. I guess everyone needs to just be aware of what they're picking up. Now, Dave, I know that you haven't generally been that fond of the, the sort of British gangster movie kind of stuff. Do, have you got many of those? So, for I think like uh, Once Upon a Time in London, for example, has done quite well. Was that one that you got in, or did you? It was, yeah. I've, yeah. I've got it then. No one's rented it. No one's um, rented it. That's the rule. No one's rented it, which is insane because I'm already a big fan of the director, who is what's his name? Uh, Simon Rumley, isn't it? Yeah. 
Um, because he made an amazing film that I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Red, White, and Blue. Um, yes, yes, that's right. Because uh, that was so weird. Um, you know, because I reviewed that film recently, the uh, the gangster one, not not Red, White, mm. and then realizing it was the same goddamn director who did Red, White, and Blue. It was yeah, that was chalk and cheese, really. I mean, both are very right. violent films in their own way, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, I've, I've kept hold of it because it was a Simon Rumley film, but I haven't got a chance to watch it yet. So, hopefully, I can. But yeah, it's just because of the part of the country I'm in, uh, in all honesty, the, 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 the sort of London uh, gangster films don't really uh, don't really do too well. If they had a Scouse gangster film, like uh, for example, um, the, the Crew, crew. Yeah. the Crew rented like hell, sort of going off big time, uh, going off big time as well. Was it was a massive rental. So yeah, stuff like that absolutely flies out. But it's all regional, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, down south, those films will, will, will do really well. What about Polterheist then? Because that was set in Bradford. No, I've not seen that. You know, I've been trying to pick up the DVD all year, but it's still like floating around twelve, thirteen, fourteen quid, yeah, and I just can't justify that. I think it's free to stream on Prime, is it though? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I must catch it on Prime. <laughs> Yeah, so the um, uh, if I can just sort of give a brief uh, rundown on a couple of the, as we as we mentioned, you know, uh, Prime, uh, a couple of the films that are on there uh, are films like uh, so we have got Andrew Jones's Alcatraz, other British movies, Charismata, I believe you've seen Dave, and you said that was pretty good, although it's sold. You said I think you said it was a bit more of a detective story. Yeah, a little bit. It was, but uh, you know, it's recommended. I did like it, to be honest. Kept hold of it too. So, yeah, and in a fairly, fairly barren year for really good horror films, that was that was good. It's a good tagline for the for the re-release, then, Dave. You know, <laughs> Snips Video held on to this one. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that'll get them renting it. Uh, Crucible of the Vampire. Did you get that one? No, I didn't. No, I think that's going cheap as well. It's in the. Uh, the Odeon slash Screenbound say, uh, sale at the moment, so uh, uh, I should really uh, take the plunge on that because it looks uh, pretty good. Uh, another couple, uh, so we've mentioned D-Day Assassins, there's uh, Curse of the Scarecrow, that's another, uh, mm. I think that's a proportion one. The uh, um, Asylum, there's Mission Overlord. And there's a British film called Sea of Lies, which I'm very intrigued by. Hmm. That was interesting. Yeah, um, I got that direct actually. That, that, to come full circle, that's the reason why Screenbound are sending me their catalogue because I bought Sea of Lies from them about oh. three months ago, and um, I've been on their mailing list ever since. Um, it's a really weird film. It's quite explicit um, with regard to its sexuality, um, but it's good fun. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Which film was that? Sea of, of Lies. Lies. Sea of Lies. Oh, it is. It's done by a guy, because I was chatting to Richard 88 about it, and it's done by a director with a bit of a, bit of a history, to be honest, because um, Odeon bought a few of this guy's films in the past, and they've been uh, not that great. Um, so he was a bit concerned for them, because, of course, Rich and James came from Odeon to sort of 88. Right. Um, so they have history. And, um, yeah, the guy, it, it's, I forget, is it a Greek filmmaker? or He's from the Mediterranean in some way, so it does have a slight Mediterranean um, slant to it. But uh, I think it's about a pound in their sale, or three pounds. So 
if you want to just uh, take a dabble, it's, it's a very unique film, which, uh, yeah, it's a uh, rewards uh, investigation. It's not the Casper Van Dien one, is it? No. No, no it's very much a, a, a very much a, a low budget movie with people you've never heard of, basically. Fair enough. So I'm just a really intrigued. It just looks a little bit different from some of the other stuff we've yeah. seen. I mean, yeah. an, another example of a film which really stood out, uh, I think it was this year. Um, no, it might have been last year, actually. Was it um, Snowbound, the kind of fetish party? Yeah. <laughs> was that this year? Was that this year or last year? It was, wasn't it? Uh, no, I think it was this year. Yeah. I think it was. Uh, because that's like a really unusual one. Uh, I, I, it's, it doesn't appeal to me because it's not, that's not the kind of a theme that I'm interested in. But just the very release of it, kind of uh, the pitch, sort of seemed quite intriguing. Uh, I don't know if it's kind of on the back of Fifty Shades and all that kind of thing, but uh, which was a was, trend yeah. kind of seemed like it run dry. Well, same, same company, to be honest. It was Screenbound again. They released mm-hmm. it in, in the second week of February. Um, but it, it was a bit of a, uh, a letdown, to be honest. It, it promised more than it could deliver. Just for the record, the one I was thinking of was Dead Water, which hasn't come out yet. So, uh, J- oh, okay. J- Judd Nelson and Casper Van Dien. Oh yeah, I think we're going to look at that on a um, on our next coming soon in the next episode. Uh, right, so uh, let me see. So I'm going to move on now to what we've seen. Then um, now between us, we've seen almost half of the releases, uh, seventy-eight in total uh, between us. So Dave. Uh, of course, has seen most. He's in 56. Uh, Mike has seen 34. And I have seen a humble 17. Now, our friend Will, uh, who uh, kindly con- contributed uh, to have a look at the uh, spreadsheet, he's seen one. <laughs> he- he'd seen uh, the um, uh, Cloverfield Paradox, which uh, I- I'm guessing we probably all saw that one. Uh, would that be fair? Dave, did you see Cloverfield Paradox? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was a high-profile uh Netflix film from last year that came out on DVD and did, also did really well. Not as well as Annihilation, which I still haven't seen, actually, because uh, I don't know why I keep, keep getting put off by that. But, uh, yeah, so we all saw that one. I think most people probably saw that. Um, but are there any in the list in the films that you guys have seen this year that really stood out for you, uh, you know, kind of really jumped out? Films that perhaps we've not mentioned already. Um, well, well, Dave Made a Maze is, is the one for me. Um, you know, I, I strongly think that's going to be in my top five by the end of the year. Uh, that that really did blow me away. Um, other than that, um, things like All the Devil's Men. thought that was a solid action movie. Really enjoyed yeah. it. And, of course, Night Shooters. Uh, yeah. Uh, now, I didn't include Night Shooters in my stats, mm. and that was purely because it... Uh, it had its DVD. It became first available on DVD yeah. last year. Now it became. The, it went. It had a mainstream release. The main release was yeah. this year. It had a only limited release. So it was like a limited edition that came out yes. just before Christmas. Yeah. So I was. Except I didn't actually get my copy until the, um, until January, unfortunately. <laughs> but, but yeah. So yeah. So that that's a very good. That was a very good film. Uh, Dave, did you get a chance to watch Night Shooters? Yeah, I, I picked it up. It was quaint. It was it was a um, it was a funny sell uh, to people because I tended to like pitch it to them to say, well, you won't find this in Asda, you won't find this in HMV, you won't find this anywhere on the high street. You know, this has mm. come straight straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. And 
Yeah, people absolutely loved it. It, it crossed, um, it appealed to people who were maybe into comedies, uh, to, to, to action, to martial arts. So it really did uh, appeal to a really broad range of, uh, uh, of customers. So, yeah, really went down well. Great to have that film in. Uh, I'm going to mention, well, Scott Atkins needs mentioning because uh, Undisputed Fight for Freedom came out. That's uh, That was mm-hmm. very good. Uh, Triple Threat, we really enjoyed, and of course, uh, Avengerman. Uh, the those are some of the favourites uh, from from my side. Uh, we've done a little flick through on some of the other films that came out, uh, just to sort of gauge. We'll pick a few at random uh, that we that we haven't covered on the show to date. Uh, Heretics. Uh, now, Dave, you, you saw Heretics, I believe. I did, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of the, the um, director whose name I can't remember. He did the Seasoning House. He's a well-known oh, yeah. oh, FX that was guy. Good. Yeah, um, it was grim, but it was really good. Yeah, jeez. Um, it's not a, a Simon. No, I forgot his name. Um, it's not my uh, not my f- cup of tea. You know, the whole medieval orientated witchcraft thing. But it, it was very well made. You know. Yeah, I, I certainly have no complaints with regard to the the quality. I did pick out a handful of films that I have really enjoyed this year, right. um, which was um, all 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 horror films, as you can imagine, uh, because I like to be original. <laughs> um, things like Video Man, I thought was absolutely outstanding. Yeah, uh, Devil's Doorway, um, Leprechaun, the new Leprechaun movie. Yeah, that was. Uh, White Space, which again borders on sci-fi, uh, Killer Party, which I, I liked a great deal, and yeah. probably my, my wild card entry would be The Nursery, which came out a couple of weeks ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've got. I yeah. wasn't expect, I'm not. That's not one that I'm attracted to. Uh, although no, I'm intrigued. It was I. I I, I approached it. Um, you know, midnight, um, grumpy, and not really wanting to watch a horror film. But I quite liked it. I thought it was really uh, cool and quite original. So, yeah, decent. Uh, Dave, uh, any more that you want to mention? No, I mean, I mean that, is, that is it, to be honest. That is, like, six films that I would go back to in a heartbeat. But, um, okay. I mean, the quality uh, was, yeah. I'm just having a quick flick through what we have, you know, what, what's been out over the last year. Excuse me. I did like Ball. Well, I, I wanted to, before... Quite... Yeah, well, that's that sort of ties in with the next thing I want to say because that was a Fright Fest film, I believe, wasn't mm. it? Yes. Or and what we've noticed recently is Fright Fest presents movies being put out less on again put less on DVD mm. and more turning up on VOD only. I yeah. think Boar came out uh, the Siren, which I'm also looking at uh, looking at now. I think I had a DVD release, but the, the Siren uh, was awful. God, that was, was oh, it? Surprised that film. I had a customer ask for his money back on that film. <laughs> so, yeah, so the, that's another sort of trend thing. You know, they kind of launched this Fright Fest label yeah. and started putting, putting loads of stuff. I mean, they've got a real big catalogue of stuff they're putting mm-hmm. out. And uh, most of it seems now to be turning up on, uh, on VOD platforms sure. uh, yeah. rather than on disc. And I, I presume that's going to be the way it goes, uh, along with some of the other stuff. Uh, the another one 
I know that you liked Mike, uh, and I didn't get a chance to watch it because the weird thing is, it turned it was on VOD, and then they took it off after like a couple of weeks, and that's the Quake. Yes, yeah, something like that. Indeed. I was able to pick that up for five quid in um, in FOP or no, HMV. Yeah. And, and so as we're it. probably not going to get a chance to do a proper review on that, can you give me, you know, tell me a little bit more of that and where do you think, you know, is it one of the highlights of the year so far, do you think? Or, you know, I wouldn't, or was... I wouldn't go so far as to say that. It, it, it is comparable to The Wave. Um, mm. And it's interesting because it, it takes the main character who was, you know, he was an absent father in the first one and they turn him yeah. into a it turned him into a deadbeat dad in the second one because because oh, no. he's now sort of split up with his Did he wife. not learn anything? Exactly, he hasn't learned anything. And, and the film starts with his daughter turning up to stay with him um, and he's t- he's turned into a complete slob and he forgets to, t- to pick her up so she's there all alone and he comes running in and goes, sorry, sorry, I didn't forget all this. And then, you know, she, he, he wakes up the next morning and she's tidied up his, his house for him and made him breakfast and he looks at her and goes, no, you've got, you got to go home. You got to go home. This is too much, you know. <laughs> and sort of basically kicks her out back onto the ferry. Um, but he gets sent some results by a friend of his, who then gets killed by a, a landslide, and he, he sort of realizes what's going on in in, in Oslo. And it, it's very similar setup to the previous one, where he's sort of following these clues that nobody else is spotting and and stuff. But but it does build up again to a really spiffing set piece. You know, once the quake happens and you get you get people sort of trapped in this um, high-rise building, as you see in the trailer, uh, and it is you know it's as good as anything Hollywood's done. Uh, a couple of the films I want to say were I found uh, were highlights of the DTV year so far were The Bouncer with Jean Claude Van Damme mm-hmm. and Dead Trigger with um, Dolph Lundgren, which was a real surprise because I was not expecting much from that film at all. It's yeah, I mean. It's it's got a very clunky wraparound section, and the, and the end of the wraparound section kills the film. You know, for me, it really does. So, you know, it's like you watch it all and you go, "Oh, that was all for nothing, then, really, wasn't it?" You know, it's, um, but yeah, the, what the, the middle bit, you know, the, what the meat in the sandwich is really good. I have to say, uh, yeah, another one I really liked was Beyond the Sky. Oh yes, um, that, that was very interesting about a guy who's. Um, a UFO skeptic, and he, he's out to prove that um, you know UFOs don't exist. And he decides to do. He decides to follow this girl who's announced that every year on her birthday she gets abducted. So he, he goes to meet her and sort of follow her on sort of the last couple of days before her birthday, and, and sort of weird shit starts happening. Um, but yeah, that that was really well done. Really enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, the the older sort of sci-fi UFO abduction things that are still going well. Now, I think we've given the first half of 2019 a pretty comprehensive overview. Uh, we've uh, made some observations on trends and uh, and things that, you know, what what's what seems to be doing well, what's not, uh, what's not doing well, what's uh, what strategies uh, are or, or chaotic strategies are being taken with some of these releases and uh, where things might be going, you know, which you know, some distributors deciding to pull out of the sort of DTV market, others, you know, sort of investing uh, as much as ever, if not more, uh, in the case of Signature. Uh, are there any sort of closing thoughts that you guys have got before we terminate this discussion? 
closing thoughts. Um, oh, just a, again, I come back to originality. Just, just keep it original. Let's not have you know so many different, so many clones of the same films over and over again. I understand the need for trends. I understand the need for um, for profitability, but um, I just worry that we're just becoming an industry where we have, you know, four doll movies one week, four war movies one week, four, you know, westerns one And it is just becoming, you know, I I tend to do my orders now. I think, right, what's the doll movie this week? What's the western this week? What's the war movie this week? And customers are being a little bit bored by it because they're saying the same things come in. We can look out originality I mean you know you look back at years gone by and, and the broad range of stuff that was coming out but that's all down to budget really you know the fact that the six million dollar DTV film doesn't exist anymore which is a shame um, I mean they were so good but if you're not going to get your money back then you know why would you make them so DTV is changing um, it's evolving uh, I can't say I, I'm, I'm too pleased about it, but it's just the way it is. And we just got to embrace what um, what it moves into. And I'm just a little bit worried about the quality of stuff. And I'm worried that, you know, so much. Sorry, Dave, you cut out there. Uh, which I don't mind. I'm happy Good. to watch it. Oh, sorry. Um, and so much low budget stuff is coming out which is fine. I don't mind. I'm happy to watch it, but I'm just worried that people will eventually wise up yeah. to the stuff that they're buying and, and, and will say, oh, I'm going to stop buying DVD now. Look, they're all the same. It's all the same thing. Um, so I'm a bit concerned about that. But with regard to the rest of the year, let's just see what comes out. And I'm going to be a bit more um, patient and a bit more accepting of what I buy on a Monday morning. Um, because we don't know how long we're going to have this here for, you know, how long a DTV film is going to exist. I just hope, personally, that the likes of Netflix and Amazon get their act together and actually start promoting some of these films a bit better. They actually sort of, you know, had a trailer section or something, Mm, you know, mm. to get people actually a bit interested in these films instead of just sort of sticking it in there and hoping people are going to read the blurb. Uh, I've noticed on their like app they do have a, yes. a limited number of on coming soon. You do get a little bit, and yeah. it's the only way. I mean, like on the actual main site, you don't get it at all. You don't. You don't well, you know it. what's annoying about the main mm. site or when you're looking at it, mm. it's when they don't show a trailer. They just show a bunch of footage with some stock music underneath it. Yeah. Do you know or, what I mean? So it's or like they go straight into the film as if you've as if you've already selected it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, there are there are definitely some definite improvements we made there. I mean, we we benefit hugely from uh, you know these these platforms. And, you know, it is good, and so the um, the fact that some of these films have gone onto these services means I will try. I'll, I'm going to be trying to do my best to sort of catch up on the ones that I've missed uh, to date, uh, with a view to you know doing a more comprehensive overview at the end of the year, um, and. You know, frankly, for, 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 with my budget and everything, I'm not a physical media buyer. So I, I'm actually an unusual person to sort of be looking at uh, the actual 
DTV chart and DTV sales kind of aspect to it. Well, because I'm a pure, I purely watch online. Really, uh, I can, I can, you know, I think I bought like one or two DVDs in the last year. I'm so I'm pretty much the worst coach there. I'd, I'd, I'd rent them from Dave. I'd go in and rent. Dave's got great prices, um, but I don't have a, a good uh, DVD rental pl- uh, place around. And I was renting on uh, renting discs from uh, Cinema Paradiso, uh, uh, but I closed my, uh, I, I cancelled my subscription because for me it's just uh, I'm not. I couldn't get the value out of it. It was taking too long for the turnaround. Uh, you know, it's not like I. You know, in the old days, I would rush down to the store. The day the new Steven Seagal film came out, I could grab it and take it home. And with this, so you know, it comes out, and I've got to wait for it to become available, and then eventually it will come and it will turn up, and then I've got to send it back and everything. And that, you know, it was fine. I was really interested. You know, I wanted to keep that going, but then I worked out, you know, if I want it on the day, if it's on VOD in the same day, and I've only got to pay like a pound more or something, yeah. that's better for me. Uh, so I've actually moved away from dvd which is really so which i you know i didn't want to do it um but uh that's all ever t- is, is, is there another uh, service out there rich that you think will ever come into your um into your routine do you think there's a streaming service that's growing or 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 attracting you in any way uh, uh probably i mean at the moment i'm quite ha- uh happy with uh, amazon and netflix and i don't really have the time to use them sufficiently if anything i'm going to cancel uh which is great with the with some of these you can uh, like netflix mm. you can pretty much cancel and then come back again you know you're not tied in mm-hmm. which is good um but i just have to be sort of really careful with my money uh, and not get too carried away i mean when i was renting no. when i was i've got into the habit okay i was renting dvds and then i was renting dvds and i had amazon and and then i had netflix as well and i, I was get i'm getting into bad habits of you know just having too much at my disposal yeah. uh, in the old days it was the, the way it was for me was that i would buy more than i could watch so i was spending yeah. uh, you know much much larger amounts of money than i am now but yeah. even so you know one service is good enough but then you know you kind of like oh i want to watch that and then avengement's out and i want to see that and then oh, there's another so i'm i'm spending a lot more than i was uh, previously yeah uh but I can't afford to do like what we were saying earlier about, you know, uh, Disney going to launch their service and no, somebody no. else can launch their service. I won't be able to do that. I, it'll be kind of no. like, a, okay, this month I might do this one. And mm-hmm. then next month I might do another one. You know, just, uh, just yeah. a bit like the free trial kind of thing. You know, like, oh, let's do Shudder for a week and oh, let's do yeah. Yeah. Uh, this, that for a week. Uh, you know, because Shudder's another one. You know, some really interesting films on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ranger, yeah. for example, came on and I'd, I'd really like to see that. But um, I can't do it. I don't. You guys were both on Shudder for a bit. Are you still holding on? Yeah. yeah, I still am, and I haven't turned it on in four months. So I paid twenty pounds <laughs> for four months, and I haven't used it, which I'm is just. But that, no, I, I watched. Um, I watched Revenge again my, with my wife. Is it the whole issue with with uh, with streaming? Mm. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's a worrying thing. So. Uh, if we haven't got any further thoughts, I think, Mike, I'm just going to leave it to you to wrap it up because I've run out of stats now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so that was our review of the year so far. Um, hopefully it didn't sound too morose as if we were sort of celebrating its passing. Um, but 
yeah, it's been a very interesting six months. Uh, we, we did take a sort of bit of a break in the middle of it because I was uh, changing jobs and getting used to the new punishing regime that I was subjecting myself to for loads of money. Um, but yeah, we're back and we've, we've really got back into it. So yeah, roll on the second half of the year, basically. Um, I know we've got some interesting stuff coming up, as we will discuss in our next episode. So, thank you, uh, Dave, for coming out of your cave and joining us once more. Thank you. And uh, good luck with the book. Mm. How far have you got with it now? Oh, well, yeah, we're getting there. It's just that other things get in the way. We've got absolutely. a commentary. Hmm? Go on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we've got a commentary to record later on this year. We've got a slightly new role in 88 films that we are kind of doing stuff with that I'm not going to go into. Um, and, and yeah, so lots of exciting things, but things keep on getting in the way. We got an, an offer last week from someone to do something. <laughs> it's completely vague. Um, but yeah, stuff keep we keep on getting emails from people saying, what do you do this for us? What do you do that for us? Um, and we'd like to do this book because it's really, really interesting. I love writing about these fascinating, amazing films from the 1990s. But um, we've had a good run. We had about two months off. So we did, mm-hmm. we did loads, we did loads, but it'll just take ages, and but we don't care because well, we're, we're yes. young. Because you're talking about old films as well, it's not as if they're they're going to full of energy and full of yeah. the interest. If I can segue back, uh, Night of the Demons Two uh, was one of the films that you and Matty did a book for. Uh, yeah. That, how how is do you know how that film is done on its uh, Blu-ray sales? Nope. No. <laughs> no, I haven't asked to be honest. Yeah. Um, we don't, don't, yeah, we don't, don't tend to think, to be honest. I just tend to go on Instagram and and and, and type in the, uh, the the tag, you know, either eighty eight films or, or Night of the Demon two, and lots of people seem to bought it. So that's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorites. And uh, if I had Blu Ray, which I don't, uh, I would uh, I would definitely uh, I would have definitely probably uh, picked up a uh, a copy of that to read your very interesting essay. Uh, I have a side. spare one, Rich. I have a spare one at work. So, so <laughs> give me a give me a address and you can have it because it's just. It's gathering dust. stuff have had it for a few months now, so so I shall send that over to you, and you can just use it to read the booklet. It can be your one Blu-ray, and you can have it just for booklet, booklet purposes only. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> and on that note, and on a that good note, night to all. Yes. Um, thank you for listening. Um, hopefully we didn't ramble on too long. And uh, tune in to our very next episode. So thank you and good night. Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.